Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel Markin. Joined around the table by Jonathan Giesbrecht. Howdy. And Jeff Bucknam. Hi. And guys, we, um, we're we in that sick season. Everybody's sick. Everyone's <laughs> feeling terrible. I uh, was at home yesterday with a sinus deal. <laughs> a sinus issue? An a issue? <laughs> a sinus issue. <laughs> and uh, Jeff, you've been very sick. I have been. Less. With the pneumonia. Actually, yeah, I was uh, diagnosed with uh, a slight bit of pneumonia. I had it last year. Wait, a slight bit. A slight yeah, bit. it was early stages, is oh. what they said. But only one was, lung. Is it effective. was uh, no, it was bad. So I've been on the I've been say, on the antibiotics, and now I'm I'm I think I'm getting better. Although it's uh, yeah. I was gonna say you're looking pretty bad. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Cheers. You've been coughing everywhere. Yeah. I think that's maybe maybe you, why I'm sick. And you've been like looking more pale than I am. So. Yeah. As soon as someone's like getting close to my skin tone, I'm like, "Are you all right, Jonathan? You are uh, you are a red-haired ginger fa- ginger I, young man. I'm a bright I'm a You're bright a ginger man. face. I'm a bright lad. That's what you are, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> a bright lad. I'm a bright lad. It's all about my the re- teachers always said I was bright. <laughs> I now know what they mean. They literally didn't look at me. <laughs> Uh, but alas I haven't actually been really I mean my kids have kind of been like fighting something but they haven't really gone full out sick and I haven't really been I'm saying this now watch this weekend I'm just gonna be like down for the count but like I haven't really been sick yet this season so stay stay away from me do you want a trophy Jonathan well I'm kind of you know what I do at you least know, a participation. Apparently, if you got if you got the uh, flu shot this year, though, it was supposed to take care of a lot of this. I heard, and uh, I did not get the flu shot. My wife did. No, I, I heard, and the, she has not been troubled by the thing. I've okay. Got. See, I heard the I heard the opposite. I heard the flu shot this year. So a flu shot, basically, if I understand correctly, I'm not a, I'm not you know I'm not a me- I'm not, I'm, a not a, I'm not a doctor like Mr. Jeff over here. Dr. Jeff, apologies. <coughs> no, but like apparently the, the, the flu shot they gave, the, the way they do that, they, they, they predict the strain of a virus yeah. that's going to go around. And apparently they predicted wrong, which is why it's been so bad this year. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, well, that's, I th- that's why it's been so abnormally bad. It's just because all these people who got the flu. This is what I've heard. Again, I don't from, know anything. From whom? From the interweb. I'm a oh. millennial. All of my news comes from the internet, and it's all trustworthy. It's all from Facebook. <laughs> it's all Facebook news. All Facebook. Whatever Mark Zuck wants me to, to know. I know. Dr. Mark Zuck. Is he a doctor? No, but, you know, my medical advice comes from Dr. Zuck. So whatever the case is, I, yeah, I, I, usually, I don't usually get the flu shot, but I, would, I probably should pro- start considering it because they do predict, try to predict it, and sometimes I know they get it close, and sometimes they don't get it right or whatever, but... It would probably help to some degree because Especially because every weekend you see like thousands well. of people, you shake a lot of hands. I have not been well yeah. the last few weeks. Sign a lot of Bibles and <laughs> I'm just really Kiss a tired. Lot of babies. A lot yeah. of people get just really tired. Anyway, I feel yeah. like it. I've also got a pain in my left foot. Nah, I, we're, have you seen? No. Do you remember that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns goes in for a physical? No. And no. the doctor comes to him. He says, "Well, Mr. Burns, he's, you have almost every known disease to man." <laughs> But think about it this way. He has like a little door and a bunch of stuffed animals. He's like, one disease can get through the door one at a time. But since all of them are trying to get through, he's trying to shove all the stuffed animals through. He's like, none of the diseases are killing you. So I'm invincible. No, you're you're really close to dying. Practically indestructible. <laughs> That's good. Oh, that was great. In a way, I guess you could get all of the flu shots at once and be invincible. 
But Jeff, you still did preach this weekend. I almost did. all the services. Yeah, the last, not this weekend, the weekend before, I was able to. Um, you got eight thirty. I did one. Yeah, yeah we had the we had the the baptism service, and so I did the eight thirty. Yeah, and honestly, that was you well barely and, made it through that. Well and truly, the yeah. full extent of my powers. Yeah. Back, so Jeff usually <coughs> takes a break between services in the in our we call it the green room, mm-hmm. and he actually looked like he was half dead. And it was like, Jeff said, oh, I think I can do one more. And I believe it was uh, Steve, our executive pastor, walked in and he said, um, that's not happening. No, I want to throw this out. Because into... you probably wouldn't have made it. And then this weekend I was able to do three on Saturday night and two on Sunday morning. But yeah. uh, after, the get to the 10 o- yeah, after the 10 o'clock. Jeff, I, I just want to throw this out here into Radio Land that I think you are one tough cookie. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people underappreciate that. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is Jeff showing up with an IV in his arm. Yeah, and sitting on the stool because you had the the black plague in your Dude, foot. I don't know what's going on with me. I've got I do I get all these weird sicknesses. Yeah, I did. But leaving, I had, but leaving the medical bracelet on that was a good. Uh, well, I had like to. Prop. I had to because I had to keep going back to the. You had to keep going back to the hospital IVs, right? to get more oh, IV man. every morning and evening. So yeah. I, when I had my concussion, I got one of those. And anytime my mom would ask me to do something, I just hold my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got the black plague, mom. Yeah. Right. So, but I meant, I'm assuming you preached all weekend. I did preach all weekend. Lord's prayer. Two of Lord's prayer. Give us, give us a quick rundown of part one and then part two. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is going really well. This has been a great podcast. Well, there's six phrases that I identified there or that I, that I pulled out. I could have made, made more of some of them, but our father in heaven. In fact, I didn't make a big deal about the fact that the prayer starts with our, which is uh, an interesting statement. It's not an individualistic sort of thing. Corporate. It's corporate. It's the idea that uh, every time you pray it, you should recognize that there are you're, you're part of a family, which is always kind of interesting if you think about the way people understand church these days is the church sort of exists to to help me self-actualize or, you know, I help me think, my spiritual fulfillment. Right. My- that, that, this prayer is supposed to remind us. Actually, no, you're 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 part of a family. You're part of a, a group, and we we all have a father. That's the family image, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, our Father in heaven, which is the first phrase, and then hallowed be your name, then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then uh, this last week, the last three phrases give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Mm. So I got some interesting emails this week. One of them had to do with uh, the 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 phrase "forgive us our debts," and um, that that language actually in Aramaic, which is the original language that Jesus would have spoken, the word for trespasses or sin is the same word for debt, mm. apparently. And so when the when when Matthew writes it, he's writing kind of a direct translation of what Jesus said into Greek. But he doesn't, Jesus doesn't mean debt in the sense that a financial debt, he uses that as an illustration, of course, because it's one that we can easily access. But he doesn't mean financial debt because you didn't, God didn't forgive you a financial debt. He forgives you a moral debt, right? So I got an email asking me, like, should I forgive the debts, financial debts of People, well, that's not that's not really what's in view. It's um, more of a moral uh, issue, and that yes, you have a moral debt to God, who has forgiven you that great moral debt. And so, when someone else has a moral debt to you, meaning that they've wronged you in some way, offended you, or done something wrong to you, and has sought now forgiveness, uh, yeah, holding a grudge is, is is just not 
it's not Christian. And I mean that in the truest sense. That was mm-hmm. the point that I was trying to make. Part of that email too might've been, uh, use the illustration <coughs> of the guy who's forgiven a lot and the guy who's yeah. forgiven little. So that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Uh, forget that's Jesus illustration later on in Matthew when he's talking about the same subject of forgiveness. Yeah. Aren't there some translations that say, forgive us of our sins or that's, that's goes on later. Yeah. The word Not is death. actually debt, but it's, it, he means trespasses or, or he means yeah, trespasses yeah, I mean, as we forgive that's, those that's who trespass. Most, a lot of translations don't like the word debt because they know it, it gets confusing, it gets confusing because yeah. people think of it as in a financial way. And so I, I understand why somebody would send me an email saying that they didn't quite understand that, but yeah. I also got other email emails. One of them, I think that you also received as well, which is yeah. really a pretty good one. Cause it's, I made a comment early in the sermon about, uh, about the, um, the, the fact that the end, you know, the, the flowery ending to the prayer, which thine, I think all the benediction kind of thingy. Yeah, at the end, thine yeah. is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever, and amen. Amen. That that actually is not original. That's not part of the earliest manuscripts. And so when I say original, I mean we have, I don't know, uh, thousands of of manuscripts from from the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Some are little portions of John. Some are whole the whole of the new Testament, some are whole books of the new Testament. So, and how close do they date back to when oh, they with, estimate within 40 years or something? Oh, at right? least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very near. In fact, if you compare the Bible to all other ancient documents, we have more closer attestation of the scriptures of yeah. the new Testament. I remember than in, we do any other ancient books like Homer's Iliad and all the well, other things. Alexander the great, I think was that book about him was written almost a thousand years after that conquest, yeah. which you think, well, how can any of that, it's got to be a lot of it. It's got to be fiction. Yeah. But for this, there's, it was in, it was certainly within the lifetime of a number of eyewitnesses right. who would have been able to discount it. And so it's a, but you call this, um, so be, what would happen is it, so, so Jeff, you also, we see this in other areas of the Bible too, like in what? Mark, isn't there an addition? Yeah. Well, let me get to that. There, okay. we, we, what happens is I, you know, Paul will write a letter to a church, say Ephesus, and he'll assume that that letter then will be passed around to the other churches, but the church in Ephesus wants to keep this letter. They want to keep a copy of it. They're not, there's no copy machine or, uh, you know, camera phone that they can't just forward it on. So what they did is they'd give it to a, a scribe who would then copy it, copy the letter down and then would distribute, you know, he'd do it maybe six times and distribute it to six other churches who then may have uh, other churches in their cities. So he might send it to Colossae and he might send it to Rome or whatever, but there might be six other churches in that city and they want it. So they'll then copy it. Right. And eventually this starts to happen and it happens over the years that you'll get copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of copies. And that go all the way down through, I mean, seriously, we have middle ages stuff, stuff in the you know 12th, 13th century where we have copies being made of, the scriptures before the printing press, essentially, right? Now that we have the printing press, that's how we do it. So it's, you know, exact. But in this day, it's very easy. I don't know if you've ever copied something. It's very easy for you to either, I mean, the scribes were very good at their jobs, but it's very easy for you to maybe make a mistake with, uh, you know, a spelling or for you to think that, the, you know, have you ever tried to re- read someone else's handwriting? Uh, sometimes you can't read it very well. And yeah. so you think that they there's an, it's an O and it's actually a U so you end up, you know, some words in Greek, you know, are very different if you do a U and an O. Right. Same with the English, right? If you change <laughs> right. one letter in some words or change punctuation, right. it changes the meaning. So yeah. this is what this is what happened. That's why we have all these different manuscripts. And sometimes the manuscripts are different. So what we, we have some rules 
that we make because because we want to get back to the original. Uh, and so and because the the original, we believe the originals, in fact, the, any phrases about what there's a doctrine called inerrancy, which means that the Bible never, never lies or it, it, in all that it affirms it, it is always trustworthy. So I think the questioner was asking the question about, about that. Well, how, how can, how can the Bible be inerrant if we have all these different copies and stuff like that? Well, actually inerrancy applies to the original autographs, meaning the, 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 the first writing which are lost, but we can get really close to what they, they contained, you know, pretty almost exactly what they contained through the process of what we call textual criticism. And that's the idea that, okay, how do we determine what manual we're comparing all these manuscripts? Well, how do we determine which ones are closer to the original? Well, there's some rules to that. One of the rules is the early, usually the earlier the manuscript, the closer it is, which makes sense, right? The more closer it is, the more reliable it is. Right, in terms is. of time and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, sometimes we say that if there are a whole lot of manuscripts that have one kind of reading, that, that tends to tip it in that direction, although that's not a for sure way of doing it. Right. Sometimes you have an internal, you know what I mean? Like if it makes sense within the context of the passage, it yeah. sometimes... Even regional, but, right? Like even like certain areas, if one area has right. a different translation than everywhere else. Right. Yeah. Sometimes this, there was, it shows that there was a scribe. Yeah. You have to, you have to determine like which, which reading best explains the rise of the other one. So you're doing yeah. detective work, but you, the, but the funny rule when textual criticism is you usually choose the hardest reading because a scribe is likely not to change something easy to hard. They'll change something hard to easy. So Anyway, that's the kind of thing their whole, like you can get a doctorate in textual criticism and you can spend your whole life. There are people who spend their whole lives doing this sort of work. Um, it's, it's quite fascinating. It is totally detective work, Mm -hmm. but it's, if you do it, if you study textual criticism, one of the things that you'll come out the other end, at least that I did, um, through seminary is that you have a lot of confidence in the new Testament and how, how close it is to the original where are those originals kept, by the way? We don't have them. That's the problem. No, no, no but the, like the earliest, sorry, like the ones that, the oh, oldest ones go, we have. The oldest ones you have, you can go to places like the British Museum and yeah. see, see them. Uh, Codex, that's a name of a, Codex is a, is, is a, is a manu- name for a manuscript. Codex Sinaiticus is one of the famous ones. Oh, I love that. Anyway, um, the, the point that I'm making in all of this is that, um, when it pertains to this passage, the, the Lord's Prayer, when you look at the manuscripts, the earliest, best, and most manuscripts don't have this flowery ending. They don't. Um, they also don't have the long ending of Mark, which is what you brought up before, you mm-hmm. know, the part where they're picking up snakes and stuff like that. They don't have the story of the adulterous, uh, woman. The adulterous woman in John, in John 8. Yeah. So most scholars, and by most I mean like the vast, vast, vast majority of scholars, wouldn't say that that's not part of the original Bible. They would so say that part isn't inerrant. Right. Correct? So the question yeah. is, okay, is that a real story about you? Maybe, yeah. maybe the story about the woman caught in adultery is a real story about Jesus. Prob- probably is, yeah. and probably beneficial, and, and prob- all of yeah, that. Yeah, we can that learn all sorts of stuff from it, but yeah. you wouldn't treat it on the same kind of authoritative way as you would the parts that were original, and so. Again, you can add that little ending to the Lord's Prayer, but you should just know that it's it's not it's not what pro, it's not what Jesus Jesus probably didn't say it didn't say it yeah. no it was a, it was a later edition by a scribe yeah. um, 
Yeah, to it. Which, of course, is a question you have to ask yourself at some point is why is it that in the Bible they're, they're always, why do they keep, keep the stuff in it? And this has been a debate and discussion among translators, and a lot, a lot of it is actually for the sale of Bibles. And this is not mm-hmm. me being conspiratorial or anything. I'm just saying that if they were to remove that section of John 8, which they offset by Matt, there's a, like, if you go to your Bible right now and you look in John 8, there's like a whole a huge section saying this is not here. It's yeah. sort of outlined, you know, or the long ending of Mark. Yeah. Or in this case, the the Lord's Prayer, they don't even keep it in now. They well, actually put it yeah. in the, they usually put it in the margin saying yeah. later manuscripts, read this. Uh, and the reason they want to keep it in there is because they, they get emails and letters from yeah. people saying, you took part of the Bible out, yeah. which is sad because you're just perpetuating the same error for another generation of people who yeah. are going to then write emails later if you try to take it out later. But most scholars would recognize they're not there, and that's why they try to keep it in there but set it off as you know intentionally. So, Jeff, out of curiosity, would you ever preach out of a passage like John 8 or the end of Mark? No. Why not? Because uh, it's, yeah, as I preached, the, I believe in I preaching remember. the Bible. Well, right. When you we did. ended Mark. Yeah, and you I ended s- Mark and you basically said, you read that last word and then you're like, and that's it. That's all that's there. And everyone, I was looking at my text. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then you proceed. I think the next just bit of it, you just share that. That's how it ends. Well, I said, I, I talked, I talked about, uh, I talked about the ending of Mark. Uh, just in short and explaining some of what I just explained that you, that it's, you know, the ending of Mark is, it it sounds awkward where it ends. Right. And that's why people are like, no, we got to put something in here. But this is my point though. The harder reading is probably more original. The harder reading is the shorter ending of Mark. The harder Mm -hmm. reading in the, in the Lord's prayer is, is the end of it. It, 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 you know, this rhetorical flourish at the end is likely not it's likely not original. It's not in the Codex Sinaiticus. Well, it's not. I don't know right. if it's in Codex Sinaiticus, but it's not in the right. But like, so uh, I'm going to say something. You tell me if this is if this would be the view you hold. It's not necessarily wrong to preach out of something like John eight. It would just not be as beneficial because it would be the equivalent of preaching out of the letter of Clement or something like yeah. that. It would, it's a good letter, and yeah. it some people came preach from sermons godly about people, but it's not. Some people as preach edifying. sermons about. <coughs> church history or right. character. And we've done that before. Not bad. Just not Bible preaching. Right. Okay. <clears throat> you can use other parts of the Bible to try to illustrate what's being said there or whatever. I and mean, it's not like what's being said is not true. It's just, mm-hmm. if you're going to, so I've, I've been in settings before where somebody will try to, um, make a biblical argument, they'll call it a biblical argument from, um, from yeah. the, the, the adulterous woman, story in John eight, you know, where Jesus is writing in the, on the ground with his finger and stuff. And they'll say, see, this is the way we should understand. And they'll build doctrine off of it. I've actually yeah. been in denominational meetings where someone has preached on it yeah. and said, see, this is the way we need to understand discipleship to which like every part of me just wants to stand up and say, okay, so if we're going to, again, we're going to do this, then we should de- derive our theology from first Clement or one of the right. part of the Apocrypha or right. the Pseudepigrapha or all these other books that the gospel of Thomas, which has some yep. outrageous statements in it. It's pretty silly. Yeah. And so I, again, is it valuable? Sure. I mm-hmm. gospel Thomas is valuable too, but it's not, it's, it's not the Bible. It, yeah. We don't, we don't, the early church did not accept these, they didn't. They didn't hold these things. The early churches that accepted these these letters from Paul, they did. They did their own kind of 
uh, gatekeeping when it comes to this stuff, and they did not accept this stuff. Mm. So, nor I don't think we should either. Fascinating. Let me bring up another prayer then, because one that we actually don't find in the Bible, Jeff. Um, Those are the best kind. <sighs> yeah, they are. What do you What do you think about the sinner's prayer? That you can, you know, say the sinner's prayer, and that's gonna, you know, that's the activ- activation of your now belief in Christ. What, I mean, what do you make of the sinner's prayer? Is it useful? Is it helpful? Is it, uh, you know, actually kind of more harmful? Well, that- you'd have to express something to God when you come to faith in Christ, right? I mean, that's the way it works. That mm-hmm. you, you, I will say this: the sinner's prayer doesn't save you. God saves you, right? Um, and I don't. Is it an expression of someone who is saved? Sure. Can be, it also might not be. The con- I mean, I have concerns about about uh, the the assumption that people make that I prayed this prayer, therefore I'm in heaven, I'm therefore right. like I'm saved. Right. And that's my I think that's my concern about it. You, right. But most people are for, aren't aware though that there's not there's nowhere in the Bible where you have somebody, yeah. uh, you know, praying to receive Christ. Yeah. Which, I mean, you're listening to me right now. Oh, my goodness. What? He's yeah. a heretic. No, no. I'm just saying that it is an, it has been, it's an add-on that we have, yeah. we're like, listen, if, if, you know, if you come to Jesus by faith, there's got to be some expression of faith, uh, you, you know, there's got, but, but confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from that. There's got to be some confession somewhere. Yeah. So we in the church have have made that into this conversionist experience. Pray and, the and prayer. Pietist thing. in a lot of ways too, right? Yeah. Where it's it's about the relationship between you and God. So your <laughs> confession should be between you and God, which, yeah. which is not necessarily the way it's always been. And it's not a bad thing necessarily, no, no. but yeah. it's not the way it's always been. That it had to be this thing between like baptism is a confession in a lot of ways. So right? I think in the Bible, that's actually what's supposed to, that that's what I think is supposed I, to yeah, happen too. Is, that, is that when you, when you, by the way, baptism doesn't save you. It's exactly, it's, it's a, it's a profession of those who are saved. Yeah. So you come to faith in Jesus and then you, and then you, you confess that yep. to, to, to the, the church, to the church. Yeah. yeah. So to instead of other. saying you, you wouldn't say, Oh, I, I got saved because I said, like, I, you know, I said the sinner's prayer. I'm a Christian. You say, well, I got baptized because I'm a Christian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And now, and, and there, even with baptism, there is, it is accompanied with a mm-hmm. profession yeah, right. with your mouth. So there still is a, yeah. a, 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 there's a need. There's, yeah, there's a need for that in some capacity, right? So, in however you're able to do it. But Well, the sinner's prayer <laughs> question comes up. People will ask uh, well, if I've never, if I never remember praying to receive Jesus, am I a Christian? And my response, my response is always, um, well, it should be, were, were you baptized? And by that, I mean, do you, did you, was there a moment which you confess Jesus as Lord? And if you say, well, I wasn't baptized, I would still push back and say, well, yeah, but have you, do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal salvation right now? What is your only hope in life and in death? And if your response is Jesus and him alone, I mean, uh, yes, you do, yeah. you're a Christian. You should be baptized. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. I mean, that that's, you should confess that publicly yeah. through baptism. Yeah. Which is funny because like, I feel like, I, I feel like so normal in our, in our context, it, it, people wait till the, till they're ready for baptism. I don't really understand it. I have to be a good enough Christian well, yeah, before or I'm I need really to like understand to be, it enough yeah. to get baptized, which is like I mean, 
if I got baptized right now, I was baptized when I was quite young, 13 or 14 or something like that. But if I got baptized right now, 10 years from now, I'm going to know more than I do right now. So am I really ready right now? Yeah, I'm like 30. But the question is, do you want to follow Jesus? And right. if the answer to that question is yes, you should get baptized. Yeah, exactly. And you should profess yeah. that publicly to the whole world and say yeah. to the world and to the church, I want to follow Christ. Yeah. And that I am being baptized into this community, into Christ, so that I can, yeah. you know, identify with him and with his body. Yeah. Yeah. And the profession on like how you do that, the words you say don't, don't really no. matter. And so, that's something, see, when I grew up, my, I mean, I, I love my parents are God fearing people, but like, I don't think they fully understood the Lord's prayer because when I was taught, it's like, oh, you have to say this prayer. And then when you do that, then you, you know, you accepted Jesus. I remember growing up and almost daily praying the Lord's prayer, mm-hmm. just in case I did it wrong the day before. Uh-huh. Because I wanted to say it right, right, and I wasn't sure if it was still valid or if I, you know what I mean. Yeah, the, by, totally the way, the, the point, there's nothing, right? so. there's nothing wrong with leading people to pray to receive Christ. Oh yeah, it's, okay. So it's so don't great. please don't <laughs> please great. don't misunderstand <laughs> us. We're actually saying it's a it's a great it's a good thing. It it can be misunderstood. Right. One of the ways it's misunderstood is that people th- see it as replacing baptism. Right. And so then baptism becomes this kind of superfluous extra bit. And you're like, well, I don't know. Should I get baptized? I'm already Christian because I prayed. No, actually, baptism is supposed to be the place where you confess Mm -hmm. um, in the Bible. Anyway, that's the way that it's supposed to happen. But one of the other problems is, like you said, there's a lady when I was young and I first started in ministry, I was a youth pastor and I was at this church and there was a you ever seen the wordless book. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, a wordless book has got these different colored pages. They do it on bracelets sometimes. It's a red thing. I can't remember the colors that there's red, yellow. What kind of church things. were you working at? Oh, Jeff? is this like the, the gospel story? In yeah. Colors? yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's the, so this, this woman was leading, she was training everybody uh, on how to use this wordless book. You right. can tell the training really took with me yeah, anyway. Um, so she's training everybody, but at the, at the end she was telling a story about how she, how she led this child to pray to receive Christ. That's the language that's used, right? right. To accept Jesus into their, their hearts, heart. which is a phrase that's never used in the new t- in the Bible, yeah. right? Jesus except, says, follow me. David except, Platt writes a book on that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. But anyway, so, so, no, listen, so, so she, she talks about this and then she, she says, okay, so, and this is the prayer I had them pray. And she lists out, she wrote it out, this prayer. And she said at the end, so, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that was right. The right one. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. But I, I guess God only God only knows. But I hope that I hope that that was the right prayer that they needed to pray. Right. Almost and like it's an incantation. I remembered something. thinking yeah. to myself, even at that time, before I had a whole lot of theological education, I was thinking, hmm, that doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> like in the sense that I that it that the wording. Yeah, exactly. That there's some again, abracadabra gets me gets me in. There's a mantra that no, one hocus pocus must, hocus pocus. must be said in order for the thing to happen. So anyway. This is, this is where it can be misleading yeah, and that it's, there's not, so there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that you need to understand that, you know, confessing your faith to Jesus publicly and through prayer is awesome. You should do this. Um, we, you know, there's a lot more to salvation, right. Than, than just, than just a prayer prayed. Right. Yeah. We always make a big, um, deal about when someone comes to follow Christ (coughs) Like that's the the massive celebration, but do which we is make gr- a big deal? Which is great. It well, is no, great. it is great. But <laughs> you know, that's the, the yeah. bigger celebration should be when they pass from this life to the next, and they finished, right. and they get the prize. They finished the race. Yeah, 
But yeah. you got to start it somewhere, right? And a yeah. prayer is a great way to oh, do and that. If you've ever watched a race, like that. seriously, have you ever been to a, I've had friends who run marathons and stuff yeah. and have you run a marathon? I ran a marathon. Did you really? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of be- an accident. But at the beginning of the marathon, there are <laughs> people on the sides. They're both places at the beginning yeah. and the end. But at the there end, are, there's yeah. way there more. Are, yeah. There are people at the beginning, though, who are like, yep. yay, yep. go for it and stuff. But yeah, it's. And there an, are people along the way. Which yeah. Is, honestly, at the 22 kilometer mark. Yeah. Whoa. Dude, have you seen. <laughs> you need the people. I got the, right, Jeff, I got the ultimate illustration for you. Ultimate. Uh, have you guys seen the movie? Remember the movie Hidalgo that came out no. a number of years ago about the horse race? No. So Vigo Mortensen who plays Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. Um, he plays Aragorn in Hidalgo? In, he plays... Yeah. It's about his horse. Aragorn races his horse. It's about his horse. Desert. Yeah. Um, the horse is wearing the and ring. And comes across Can't the Haradrim, the Easterlings. Oh, no. sorry. Did I... Did all of a sudden... Uh-oh, we're back in the Lord of the Rings. There's a bunch of people out there now who are mad. The horse doesn't wear... horse doesn't wear a ring. It was Middle Earth. Um... But he, he's, they, you, the race begins, right? He's this American. He's fighting, and he's, he's, not, he's racing against um, a whole bunch of people from the Middle East. And they begin the race, and whoa, everyone's cheering and stuff like that. They're, everyone, like, at the beginning is riding their horses so fast. And as soon as they're out of eye shot of, like, the crowds, everyone just starts walking. Yeah. You know? Like, all the smoke is clears, it. and everyone's just walking and trying to preserve the horse. And, like, you have to go across this desert. They're getting chased by sandstorms. And wow. It's good a good movie. But then the ending... Right then, they all race towards the ending in this massive. It's good. It's a good illustration. Yeah, you can use that one day. Thanks, Hidalgo. 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 Uh, Where, you should name your dog Hidalgo. He races against a bunch of people from uh-huh. Middle Earth. So, <laughs> but no, the image of a race is actually one that that is used of yep. salvation in yeah. the scriptures. That it, it, it just like a race, salvation has a beginning, middle, and end. Yep. And we, in the middle, is your life. The end is when you finish the race. Either Christ returns or you die. Well, and and just and, like in a race or in a, in a you know a football match, you have to make adjustments, halftime adjustments, right? right? Like repentance, right? And you, you know, you you're making that adjustment, returning towards your goal of right. Christ and. And the goal is to finish, yeah. and uh, it, it doesn't doesn't count unless you finish. Yeah. So it requires a decision to start, the yeah. motivation to keep going, but then the point of it is finishing. The finishing, yeah. right? Cool. Is, is there any right way to repent? Because I know sometimes we do, we'll say the sinner's prayer if we want to rededicate our lives to Jesus. I've heard that before. Isn't that just the same as repentance? Yeah, it depends. I mean, repentance is a what are they a, a good trans a good. Uh, definition is a, a change of mind that leads to a change of life. It's not, you know, I, I don't know if repentance doesn't, <coughs> repentance counts if you have the will. Do you understand what I mean? Like, uh, like that, that you have the desire to change your life. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's the Mormon faith believes that if you don't, if you, if you say, I'm going to repent and then you don't actually do it well, then none of that counted, and all of the sins that you ever did prior to that were not forgiven. Yeah. Do you understand? Like, they, you actually they, have they, to get to a point where you're actually living perfectly. Yeah. In order you to. You must be perfect like your Heavenly Father. Yeah. I just taught on this at Young Adults, right? The uh, second Nephi, 25, 26 is the verse. It says, um, you're, It's by grace you've been saved after all you can do. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, and if you don't live up, like, you're never truly forgiven. Yeah, so you, it, you 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 only know if you're truly forgiven if you end up in that final in the celestial realm. But you have to keep. You have to be, per, you, like you can't go. But like if I if you if you lie, if you, that's your mm-hmm. sin that you lied, and you say, Lord, I don't want to lie anymore. Forgive me for my lying. 
they believe that forgiveness comes upon you as long as you don't lie again. But yeah. if you lie again, then the then the forgiveness that was supposedly given you for the lie doesn't count because you didn't actually. Right. And you lied again. I'm suggesting that that's not the case, that the will to not lie again, the desire, the agreement with God that that, that action was wrong, even if you do it again, still the Lord forgives and the Lord will forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And he continues to forgive. He's been faithful to forgive back, back then. He will continue to be faithful to forgive. And he will be faithful. That's why all of life is repentance. You just keep, we just keep coming back to the Lord seeking his face. And that's why we're supposed to every day pray, you know, forgive us our debts. Mm -hmm. And it delights him when we again come back. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Let's jump into another little quick prayer question. Maybe you can do this real, real nice and fast. Here's a question asked by about by a listener about Solomon, where in First Kings three verse five it says, "Ask what I shall give you." And the question says, "Would God had uh, would God have given him anything?" It seems to me God was pleased by Solomon's answer and rewarded him with what he asked, that being wisdom. I've heard some people say God would have given Solomon literally anything. However, I can't see that being the case. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just conjecture. What yeah. would would God have given him anything? Well, I, I don't actually know the answer to that. The offer seems to be essentially that, though, right? Three verse five. Mm-hmm. Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, "Ask for whatever you want me to give to you." I'm ass- I'm assuming that if he wanted to have uh, you know a new horse, the Lord would have given him a new horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that if he wanted to have, if he said, listen, I want to be able to take over the world and have my name made great or whatever, I, perhaps that's the case. And the Lord might not have given it to him too, because it's not good for him. Well, I was just going to say, if if you read the NASB, they, I don't, I don't have the Hebrew in front of me, but if you read the NASB, God says, ask what you wish me to give you. Mm. There's no actual promise of giving Mm. that gift. It just says, ask what you ask what you want. And Solomon's response is, well, there. So I don't know. I, I don't have the Hebrew in front of me. We'd have to do a little bit more so, exegetical work on that one. It's like Indiana Jones. You've chosen. Wow. Yeah, actually, the phrasing itself, even in the ESV, does not guarantee that he's going to give him it. He's just, he's inviting him to ask for whatever right. you want me to give you. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. But you're right. Conjecture in a lot of ways is like, I don't know. So if you would have asked for, you know, another planet to live on. I asked for a thousand wishes. Do you know what's interesting oh, about you this? You can't do that. No, you can't. Have you ever played the game, though, with people? So have you ever played the game where someone will say, if you had one wish or whatever. Yeah, 50 and wishes. Can, and you can't wish for more wishes. Do you, can you, what would you, what would you wish for? And there are lots and lots of people who will say, well, I would like to go to Europe or I would, I would wish to. One billion know, dollars. Be invisible or whatever. I want to go, thought to, that would I be go a, to Middle Earth. Super speed was always has always been my like that'd super be, speed. Oh yeah, totally. Really? Oh yeah, the ability to travel is it as you're fast slow, Jeff? as I want. Well, is that because you went? No, just the tricks I could play on. Compensating. Is that because you lost Ezra in the race, the podcast <laughs> race from a couple years ago? Yeah. Is that because you lost the race? And ever, ever since, since then, then, I just want to be real I just fast. Be faster. <laughs> Because so, I've been noticed, Jeff, you're wearing some uh, some Adidas these I days. I am. You know, as opposed to the Skechers. Is that just a little faster? Yeah. A little, a little better. Look, you can cut. Um, cut on a dime. So um, what's interesting, though, is that very, like, 
<laughs> we don't answer that question in our society. We don't answer the question usually by saying something spiritual. But right. that's actually the the lesson from this passage is that here's a guy who's been thrust into God's service as a king, and he realizes that he's he is defective on some level to be able to carry through what it is that he's supposed to do. And so he says, Lord, I, I honestly need your wisdom to be able to, to be able to do what you've asked me to do. Uh, that I think is, is the model. So when you say, what well, can I have anything you and I should be saying, Lord, I, I need what it is that I requires for me to do what you've called me to be mm. and do. Mm. So for me, I, I, I pray the Lord would give me more power in, in, in proclamation and more power in preaching. Uh, I, I, I want a, more, um, affinity and the ear of people who are skeptical. Like, do you know what I mean? That's, I want them to listen. Um, yeah. Which is the kind of prayer, I mean, Jonathan, you, for you now, you've been right now and thrust into music to give you the creativity and the, the voice and the ability to lead well and to lead people in the God's presence, that kind of stuff. Edify the congregation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 There you go. Cool. Well, let's just talk about one last thing here, guys. We're running to the end of this time. Um, I'm sure a lot of prayers were thrown up <coughs> this weekend oh. to uh, to the god of football, and we're looking at the NFL. They were all unanswered. They're all unanswered because the because god Tom Brady of won. money, aka the referees who were paid off wow. for the Patriots. Jonathan, did you, you see that the ref was the first person to shake Tom yeah, Brady's first hand? First person to shake his hand. And did you see Sketchy. all those calls in the second half? I'm not saying the Patriots couldn't have beaten the Jaguars. But man, they were helped out by a uh, few bad so PI. Wow. I texted you right after that. and said yeah, that's did. exactly what happened. So bad. Yeah, it's. Uh, there's some questions about it. There's no. Que- there's no doubt about it. You know, I was. Uh, I. I think I've said this before. I was born in Boston, so I'm. Uh, I, I am. I could. I have rights to New England uh, fandom. I'm always a little bit surprised at the at the non New Englanders though who are who are big fans. John Mulder, one of our. He's just weird. One of our pastoral interns is he—he he grew up down the street from Northview, just and he just so happens to have been interested in football over the last about 10, 15, 10, 12 years when the Patriots have been to half of all the Super Bowls. That well, that's like been. you cheering for Arsenal when they had Terry on. Totally, Rainier, but the I'm still a fan now, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's been good uh, ten years of nothing. See, that's, there you go. Well, that's it's good. been more than that. <laughs> see, but, we'll see if John. But see, I was a fan of the race. Well, John, I was a fan race? of the Patriots. This is a sad part of it. I was a fan of the Patriots because I was terrible? from Boston. Yeah, from in the yeah, '80s and yeah. stuff. I remember they made it to the Super Bowl against right. the Bears in '85 or whatever it was, oh, and they got just man. got pummeled. And then they were terrible. Steve Grogan and all those days, they were horrible. Yep. And then I gave up on them and I couldn't stand them, actually. So then you uh, might play cheer for I, I, No, I cheer for them when they first won the Super Bowl because they were the underdog uh, to the Rams. And I didn't like the Rams at the time. And then I was like, oh, you this is You didn't like Kurt Warner, but Kurt Warner's a Christian, Jeff. I know, I didn't. Uh, but I, Kurt Warner's you know, a Christian. I'm from, I'm from Boston and all that. So then in the well, end, though. Apparently Tom Brady's Republican, so that's basically the same thing. Right? We're... <sighs> We're all sick. We're all sick now of the Brady thing, though. Dude, actually, I kind of want to see him win a six at this point. No, it'd be so great. No, because we got to live and see that history. I don't think I'm going to watch the Super Bowl this year. I just neither I'm, of the neither of the teams are interesting. No, but at that's all. exactly why I think they put uh, New England in it. The, they put New the, England in the, it. <laughs> well, no, just think about it. Who's conspiracy I, I'll go around the office. I'll be like, Do you know who Blake Bortles is? Nope. But I'll ask one of the other people. Do you know who Tom Brady is? I know the name. 
Yeah. Right. There's something about uh, with all the bad ratings the NFL this year. I heard in the radio that he somebody said that Tom Brady is the, one of the most recognizable sports stars in the whole world, and I thought, ooh, I don't actually know if, if that's the case. If the whole world is America, then yeah. Yeah, it was those an American that's sports be, radio. It's an American and I was sports like, radio. Cristiano Ronaldo. I think like, the more than Messi one. and more than Ronaldo. Well, I don't think no he, they were saying he's one of them, but I, I honestly I think that there are cricket stars that are actually probably a bigger deal. Like oh, most yeah. more people would know who Shane Warne is than than probably not out here. But, no, but you know, in, of, in the world, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was a he was a spin bowler for uh, the Australians years ago. Very famous. Cool. Anyway, this has been fun. Let's uh, let's just talk let's about bow cricket. On it. Let's just talk about more about cricket right now, Jeff. <laughs> let's just tell, let's just walk through. I think that's the cue. Cue the music.